In today's episode of Bensil Talks, we present to you Shabri Raji, co-founder of FindMeAshoe.com. Shabri has studied at Domus Academy Milan, and she takes us through a journey, giving us a peek into how she really looked at uh, this problem of uh, shoe fit and sizing. And uh, it's been an interesting journey for her, and it's an exclusive interaction. Uh, we will understand how simple a mobile app with state-of-the-art AI can actually change the retail landscape of shoe buying like never before. This is where Shabri comes in. Hey, so welcome, Shabri, to this episode of Bensil Talks. I'm excited to have you. Thank you, Raji, for inviting me. I'm super, super thrilled to be here. <laughs> and, you know, Raji, you know, our association goes back a long way. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited to share our journey with you. Thanks, Shabri. And uh, Shabri from uh, Amchi, Mumbai to the Silicon Valley of India, Bangalore. How's been that journey for you? <laughs> oh, it's been a long one. So I left Mumbai, I think, almost close to 18 years ago. I mean, it's still home for me. My parents come out there and I visit very often. But, uh, I mean, a bit of my journey, I left at the age of uh, 17 to do my engineering in Pune. I, I actually did mechanical engineering where, you know, you, just, you still know the ratios of mechanical engineering, 90 boys, <laughs> four girls. <laughs> so my journey's first away, overway. And after that, I went to Italy to study oh. design, right? Oh. So where actually, uh, that was a very different shift from engineering, you know, where everything is tactical and you kind of learned how to build things. But the Italian perspective to design is very different. They almost quit, like if you're designing a chair, you have to start at why sitting is actually good for you. And then you realize, oh, sitting is not really good for you. I shouldn't be designing this. <laughs> you know? That's interesting. That's so interesting. I went to a school called Domus, which is uh, fairly famous. And it was a very, very life-changing experience for me. Where uh, this entire thought of actually, how do you build products? How do you drive some, I mean, I don't want to use the word innovation loosely, but you know, the purpose of making things like and actually made me question things about why you build things. But as engineering teaches you to build almost everything. And sure. that's when my journey started. And there was a nice merger of things. And when I came back, uh, I, you know, after Italy, I, my grandfather was not doing so great. So I wanted to come back and be with him back in Bombay. So I actually returned home and okay. I picked up a job with the Human Factors International, which at that okay. time was one of the largest um, uh, consult, design consulting agencies across the world. Uh, today they call it UI, UX, and it's become very common. But in those days, you know, HFI had almost pioneered this process of human-centered design for digital services. And that's when we did, and I worked with a lot of interesting projects across the world and uh, came out. And then I got married, shifted to the States, shifted okay. back here. And back... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long ending. And that's how I so came that, to Bangalore, you know. So that's the long Fantastic. Journey. So I actually uh, should have included uh, Pune and you. Oh, it's not been so straight from Mumbai to Bangalore. No. But uh, uh, Shabri, interestingly, from mechanical engineering, uh, trying to learn design in Italy, what triggered that thought? Actually, I always wanted to be a designer very, very early on. I, after 12th, I was actually very, very set to go to all the typical design schools in uh, India, you know, because at that time, before, you know, my parents couldn't, I couldn't afford to go abroad, you know, earlier on. And uh, I had a mentor who's, you know, somebody really I admire, who's 
uh, you know, who runs a very large corporation, and he actually said to me that you should know how to build things. Also, I know you like to make new things, but you need a solid base to your to to build upon analytical thinking. Think about that. He actually, and after mm-hmm. my twelfth, he actually made me interview different designers. He actually sent me to you know different offices, and I was very clueless and. that's when it struck me that actually i need to know how to build things and that's kind of made you know almost like a last minute pivot i know a lot of people aspire to go to engineering for me it was almost last i ditched my design school plans after 12th okay. and i went into engineering and that's okay. how i ended up there and and after engineering this was just a continuation of thought and then of course going abroad after your engineering with it's much easier to get scholarships and things could work out so thankfully it all fell in place fair enough so just like every typical engineer once they get into it they realize that's not it that's not what they really yes. came for but yes. it really opens yes. up your mind and gives you different yes. perspective and i think that's what happened in your case as well correct fantastic yes. so uh, you also spoke interestingly about you know user design user experience which is now become a very common lingo uh, but you know back then uh, when you were interning or working with human factors you mentioned so what was the you know what was the perspective of the customer you were talking to because back then 15 20 years back people nearly never factored all these things in you know did it really matter to them because people would just think about selling what sells right not really how people perceive it and how to build it and so on how, exactly so what were right? those challenges at that point of time oh it was you know the to convince somebody that you need to invest in a simple user testing like we were one of the first companies in india who actually had a user testing lab see today it technology has moved forward so much that if you want to do a user testing you can do it remotely you can record people's screens you could record you know everything you can put yeah. a cookie on the browser you can track everything back then it actually started where we would interview users one on one manually you know set up this recording or we had this two way mirror room actually almost like an interrogation room where we would we would okay. bring in potential users set up this eye tracking equipment to see you know how they are doing something on the interface and okay. even even today like in one of the things that people miss out is design is a very multidisciplinary field like uh, human factors and what do you call uh, invited people from psychology from design engineering and everybody worked together to put together mm-hmm. perspectives to really understand what is it that the user is doing and you know always putting the user in center of this and sort of creating this multidisciplinary approach against that and that's something that has i've always carried for life and i think that's been the right way of building products you know so not looking at it in isolation so how much how much do you think things have changed in indian context over the last 20 years as you've seen when you first worked with you know uh, human factors and now uh, what would you say you know in terms of mindset shift Oh, huge, huge. So you know, when I joined in Human Factors International, our initially our only clients were U.S. clients or some from Singapore. You know, there was almost nobody in India who mm-hmm. could actually even do think would want to make this kind of investment. But just mm-hmm. three or four years down the line, all the big names, including Reliance, Aditya Birla, like everybody mm-hmm. had this thought that I am going to hey, if I'm launching a product, like. anybody say anybody launching even a financial service and it may just be a simple mutual fund website but no i will have a user you know user centered approach done for mm-hmm. this let me understand my customer how is somebody buying a mutual fund right like one of the very mm-hmm. interesting projects without naming the client i would say which i done in india where 
we developed a portal for the brokers who are a very essential system of selling mutual funds and you think okay. what is there about this to do but we actually went around interviewing brokers in tier 2 cities and people were willing to make that kind of investment just four years down the line i mean i'm talking maybe about eight years back this process had already triggered in and today okay. i'm very very happy to say that you know it's extremely prevalent right and people have become all it's almost become a norm that you have to do this if you don't do this you're you're not your product is not going to be successful and that's very widely understood you know so you see that's become more mainstream now than yeah 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 definitely and it's respected fair enough. because i do talk to other uh, you know designers and people who've come in from italy and maybe other design schools they still say that in india we don't have that kind of rigor and you know thought process in terms of when they're designing any product and it may it doesn't get the necessary attention of the management and investment so so uh, maybe if you compare yeah if you compare with what typically i mean if you take like a typical mid sized american corporation and the kind of budget that they would spend or the proportion of budget not fair to complete compare absolute budget it definitely is skewed but it's definitely much better than where i started off maybe they have not started where i have started <laughs> you sure. know where absolutely where people made no investments but today i mean i i've worked with a slew of clients like i mentioned all the big typical indian companies all of them have made investments in this area right sure. and to also to a testimony to change in that is one other barometer which i which i monitor closely is see when i started when i graduated there were only three design schools that you could go for a masters program in india literally one was iit mm-hmm. bombay nid mm-hmm. had a masters course and one other iit delhi had a masters course right only three yeah. reputed schools today right. the number of schools design schools that have come up in india has That's been right. phenomenal right yes. including my engineering school they've run they've started a very uh, successful design school too oh, i mean great. right so uh, i think that itself should show you the necessity that this field has evolved so much great right? great so uh, when you uh, came back from us to bangalore so is that when the idea of uh, find me shoe germinated uh, a little later i mean so what happened is we came back to india when my husband joined i am amdabad and uh-huh. that's where uh, he i met anand my co-founder as he was also part right. of the i am amdabad so we started talking during the program you know at that time there was the thought that we like design one other field that has also evolved heavily is retail right you know the way we shop has phenomenally changed in the last 15 years earlier we used to just go to the kirana store or one store and pick up what we wanted nothing is same about that anymore you need to read reviews and you need to do so many things today and we started discussing this idea then it kind of um, sort of trailed off i used to run my own design studio in bangalore with another co-founder okay. and finally in 2015 you know i said okay i should stop giving other people advice Mm-hmm. on how to build their designs and put my money where my mouth you know put my mouth where my money is yeah sure, sure and i took a leap of faith and 2015 is where anand and me we started doing you know we were not very specifically focused on this idea we started doing things that hey this retail mm-hmm. there's a lot of innovation that is coming and can we aid that process can we help the digital transformation that's from where we started off on this idea and then we kind of often we kind of almost stumbled upon this area where we realized that fit is a huge issue and people are not able to solve it so sure um, and then we thought we so you started with thing. retail 
Correct. Okay. Retail consulting. I mean, if you see, see our parent company name, it was called as Emerging Market Business Labs. And the idea was to do right. just that, to analyze problems in the retail market, in, in the emerging markets, right? Where retail is going through this huge transformation. Sure, sure, sure. Fair enough. So from retail, you stumbled upon the idea of, uh, you know, the so problem fitting. people face when they buy shoes. Right. Right. So, so was there something specific that triggered the thought or it was overall analysis of the market and saying, hey, this is something we should really pursue? No, it was a very personal trigger event. So around yes. that time when we started this journey and we had discussed about it, you know, we had spoken about fit issues in, in general, like what we realized is, see, even when Levi's makes a pair of jeans and they, they make it in San, you know, San Francisco, when they throw it in the Indian market, the Indian curves are slightly, slightly understatement, very different, you know, but nobody yeah. customizes anything. And that's when right. we realized it was, it was same with shoes. And also what we realized a lot of advisory regarding what kind of shoe to buy. See, fit is also one thing is missing. Yeah. And it just happened around in that year, 2014, I made an attempt for the Kilimanjaro summit in uh, mm -hmm. Africa. Right. Me and my husband went and All while right. coming down, actually nobody had told me that I should pick up shoes which are much more roomier at the toe. It was That's so right. bad, bad that my toe, I, I completely lost my toenails by the time I was at the bottom of the mountain. And it was uh, just that I was ill advised and that's when I realized that why, why you know, I had gone to Decathlon, nobody had this knowledge of what kind of fit and size I should be buying. And this really right. triggered sort of triggered the journey and Anand had a similar experience with men's formal shoes that he could never find something. And that's when we started us. So, you know, that's, I think that's a pivotal moment that every entrepreneur goes through, right? But you know, there's a problem, but there is an association that triggers that. Yes, you're convinced that this is a problem worth solving. And that was definitely my trigger. So, Right, and that's that's where we got going. Rajiv, Sharon, are you guys there? Yeah, I'm there. Sorry, the radio silence. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, just I've just lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah Shabri. So you basically mentioned about uh, you know uh, people uh, didn't advise you the right kind of shoes to buy, and that's very true in terms of the fit and what really is good for a customer. So uh, so then what did that uh, lead to? You know how how did you actually uh, formally decide that we are going to address this issue and what actually uh, what the you know was the solution you embarked upon? Right. So we decided, okay, we decided that this fitting issue for we let's focus on footwear. That was our first point because we realized with apparel, you can still make an adjustment. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's not that uh, with shoes, we realized you definitely will call a return. So we thought, okay, That's somebody right. would, have, would have sorted this problem all over the world. So our first sort of step was to scout who's done what, you know, and we mm -hmm. came across, we came across a couple of companies in the Euro who actually had physical scanners, a nice big right. looking. And Anand uh -huh. and me actually went to Slovenia. They, they, they're wondering where are these Indians come from? And it's literally, you know, now Slovenia <laughs> has become very famous because of the you know, former first lady, but <laughs> otherwise it was, and we actually convinced them to license their technology to us. And we okay. brought it to okay. India. And we were the first uh -huh. people in India who put a scanner inside a mall. And we said, let's okay. put it in. In, you okay. know, and people were curious, and you're like, okay, right? 
okay let's it's it's my problem let me see how many other people so in the small there are 10 shoe stores and still okay. we had enough people stopping by like on a weekend we'd get like a full uh-huh. of close to 200 people and we are not giving you back anything we're just carrying your foot and we'll give you a small chip which says your foot size you know actually okay so the scanner would do what uh, shabri it would actually take a full 3d 3d volumetric picture of your foot right like so it would take okay. you pictures and build a full 3d foot profile so all you have to okay. do is put your foot in uh one second two second takes photograph you move to the next spot right? okay so, okay so we were then, actually ran that okay uh, and then uh, what were the typical questions you encountered from them people were just curious you know why are you doing this what what will i get and and that's when anand and me would actually sit in the malls ourselves right and on weekends especially and talk to people and that's when we realized that yes people have this problem that when they buy online the same issue yes. that i face you don't even know a baseline size scale between brands so what we That's one of the right. big learnings that came out is there is no baseline size scale right every brand kind of does its own sizing and people have this huge confusion especially in india there's a uk there's a us and there's a eu all three size right. scales are prevalent and we don't even have wide feet you know we don't even have shoes marked for wide foot even today or we don't even have half size and there is right. a requirement for it right so in the process we kind of realized that this is the kind of solution that we need to do we need to measure the foot and we need to measure the shoe and we need to provide these one on one personalized recommendations and kind of okay. it, this was almost a nine month you know project other than we were consulting on the side sometimes but we kind of um, used to spend a lot of time in the mall that was sort of our user research where we actually All understood right. that what people are looking for and that kind of formulated our first service out of this saying that we have a scanner maybe we at that time the thought was hey if we raise investment we could do this as a service and provide it as a i mean we'll run a scanner network right maybe two three scanners in each city and provide okay. it to all the shops and the e-commerce guys as a common database and initially okay. we saw traction flipkart at that time said yes we would potentially be interested you know the guys scan in the mall and shop on flipkart and that kind of works well for them but okay, okay. eventually initially we raised some money we look like but you know unfor- at the end of it then people said no no this is a hardware based model and the scale and the economics just doesn't work out right so that's what, that was our first learning as an entrepreneur you know that uh-huh. you want to solve a problem you want you have a solution but there's no profitability on that right so then you can't you have to pivot Right. Sure. Enough, fair enough. So, yeah. so basically, uh, just to understand this better, you said Flipkart showed interest. What about the other, uh, you know, uh, footwear retailers and brands in terms of getting traction, whereby customers would come scan and it becomes an experience for them, and it can also be added service. So, was that not something they were willing to put money? They on? were. They were. They were definitely. We definitely saw interest, but. one of the things is at that point a typical scanner like that again you know in 2015 or rather this is 16 when we actually said it was still costing about 15000 us dollars right which even then even today i don't think a retail store will make that kind of investment mm, and that's okay. where i mean basically the the idea was nice and everybody loved it but we couldn't find either an investor or a customer to pay for it right and that kind of your sure. first aha moment is a as an entrepreneur that you realize that okay i need to change up i i i know that i'm on the right okay. path but i need to have an alternative solution to this right sure 
fair enough so then what was the uh, immediate uh, you know uh, learning out of that how did you implement it so immediate learning i mean it was very very obvious that we need a mobile based approach at that time mm-hmm. i mean the kind of shopping numbers that mean mobile was on trend and we also realized that we also need to get a better hand of the shoe scanning piece right where uh, the technology that we had gone from the slovenians for both the pieces was all mm-hmm. very expensive i mean to be very i mean it suits european markets well where they can make that kind of investments and the asp of the shoe is much higher but when you have to build solutions in india or asia i think cost becomes so we we, we took a two prong approach almost anand and me where we said yes the foot scanning has to be mobile but somebody can do it in at their home that is a criteria and the shoe scanning mm-hmm. at that time again we had a very very fancy scanner from slovenia and we said no we need to break that up also to a mobile unit we should be able to scan shoes by going into somebody's warehouse so it was almost like these two mandates were very very visible and we went back to okay. our investors and we had a honest conversation saying yes we know that this doesn't work but this is what we're willing to fix it you know touch would we found the right side set of backers in fact okay. our, our third we brought on a third co-founder called mr central nathan at that point who was also our first angel investor and okay. central comes with a good expertise he's already sold two companies in computer vision and he said okay. let me help you develop this is a very interesting application so what the scanner okay. does we took it as a challenge to put it inside a mobile app and that is not an easy task i mean that was sort of sure. the challenge that anand and central took on i took on the task this is from at touchwood for my mechanical engineering background i said you know what sure. i think i can digitize the inside of a shoe at one tenth the cost that the slovenians are doing let me scout for technologies on that side and okay. both of us kind of took those two approaches and uh, i mean it wasn't an easy journey about a year year and a half kind of went almost in developing this but there is no shortcut right when you're building something which nobody else has sure absolutely it's it's right so but at the end of it what we had come down to is a mobile app to take three pictures of your foot using an a4 paper mm-hmm. in india and we had That's a right. small small machine and a tiny digitizer and a way of going into any warehouse and saying hey we can digi- you know sort of have a foot scan done for you in 5 10 minutes okay. that's from okay. where we went back to the market <laughs> that's Fair the enough. time when right is the journey i would say almost second pivot happened right absolutely absolutely so uh, so basically when you were able to take the scanner on the phone and right. be able to provide the service from a mobile device so uh, what was the change you saw and what's been the acceptance now absolutely i think so that has been a total pivotal moment for us i mean first round that when target in we got our first sort of us customer or you know saying that target came on board saying this is great you know but as typical as we had built we had only an android app they said who uses android in the us come on guys so in 3 months we hustled and we put together an ios app for them okay. to start using it and that's okay. when actually the customer journey interaction really started with retailers target gave us a try under armour invited us in the us to give it a test but slowly okay. slowly uh-huh. and we saw customers doing poc and okay. what we realized this was you know by about early 2000 late 2017 early 2018 lot of us mid sized brands were doing a poc on the three paper app on the three picture app sorry okay and saying, okay oh, can you, but we still realized that something is still what do you say not triggering them to go to the market 
that's when we realize the problem on the other side that three pixels okay. is heavy on the customer right it okay. and and there was a specific angle in which they had to click it and uh -huh. to, to be surprising also the app life cycle had come down a typical okay. mid-sized brand like making even 20 million in revenue does not have an app in the us and this okay. investment to make i mean this, this, this sounds like a small thing but it's a huge barrier to adoption for somebody right the brand says that hey this is a new technology i have to go build an app for you guys so early mm -hmm. 2019, we made another pivot, which was extremely significant for us, where okay. we went from three pictures ad based to a single picture, which was just browser based. Okay. So that was a huge game changer. And what All we right. also realized is, you know, three pictures is wonderful, but if, you, if you're doing a custom shoe, but what is mm -hmm. really required for the retail market is maybe six or seven measurements and we could do them in one picture. I think that was All a right. huge shift. And uh, early 2019, we started de developing it. Okay. And post that, we've seen phenomenal traction. And even on the shoe side, right? While this uh -huh. technology was agile and we could go into warehouses, we started hitting uh -huh. the volume game. Smaller brands didn't care. We can scan all the inventory. But when you look at a Flipkart and somebody has close to 100,000 shoes, you can't scan. Uh -huh. so, so the next version of that, which is a photo-based scan, which is very, very cutting edge, where you can uh -huh. take a picture and based on certain scans that are set up, it's still in beta. Imagine anybody, right? You want to put, you want to know whether a shoe is running true to style. You just put it on a specific board that we give you. Take a photo uh -huh. of your mobile or your DSLR as you do in the photo shoot, and we can uh -huh. give you back a grading. So that okay. has, I mean, that's something that we're piloting and in beta right now. But there's a pivot that happened, you know, almost like a second level pivot that happened on both these technologies again. And now mm -hmm. is when we are seeing like huge retailers like Bata, or, you know, adopters without any hesitancy. I think we finally come to, a, you know, the sort of the product market evolution has kind of come right. together now. Fantastic. So, so just for our viewers, you know, to, to demystify this whole thing. So on one hand, you're talking about a, as a customer, I can take a A4 size paper, put my foot and with a single photo, I can actually take my measurements, uh, which right. will tell me what is the length of my feet and uh, other uh, you know dimensions which are important uh, where for me to buy an issue. Uh, that's right, right Shapri, from a customer right. point of view. And from yes. a brand and a manufacturer point of view, essentially what I'm saying is uh, they can scan their inventory uh, as also they can standardize uh, the the shoes and the footwear that they make, uh, you know, yes. uh, so that you have better fit uh, when a customer buys. Is that essentially what it means? Absolutely, especially the ones who do contract manufacturing, right? You've given some specification to one factory. Maybe you are sourcing from three factories when they all come back in their size eight, how do you even verify? Because we've seen a huge amount of variation in that, right? Or if you're, mm -hmm. a, if you're a marketplace and you're you are displaying shoes from 10 different sellers, hundreds of different sellers, how do you actually mm -hmm. know that one seller's eight is equal to the other seller's eight, right? Because that is mm -hmm. a baseline for actually the whole size scale, which is not there right. in the market, unfortunately, today. So these are the two separate services. And obviously when a, a brand or a retailer uses both, it comes together very beautifully for the customer that I size up my foot and I know the marketplace or the retailer has done its job on assessing the shoe and then they're telling me exactly what I need to buy. And just, and, and I mean, uh, it's not just a size recommendation, right? We can even advise you on a fit. Like for example, 
somebody has made shoes which are for a wider foot and you have a wider foot you don't even know that actually but we can actually sure. provide you that match and sort of give you what is right for you and not just the size that's meant for you that's right that's right fair enough so then uh, in terms of uh, you know from uh, user experience that you have now if you could share with us uh, you know with the evolution that you spoke about and then uh, bigger brands like bata coming on board what are the things that you are hearing uh, what is the difference that find me shoe has made to them a huge i mean we've seen like a huge i mean on multiple fronts like so we have one retailer who's like a mid size brand in the us who's got uh-huh. live with us called york athletics and initial they were telling us at the initial level they think that somebody who uses a tool like this the typical conversion rates on them is three times higher than what okay. we have now right and okay. that's the huge barometer and then in the past we had worked with another brand which used to do elevator shoes uh for them just by fixing their style you know they didn't even use the foot scanner they only use our shoe scanning service and they kind of uh uh just took our help to align their grading and their sizes we could reduce their returns by 75% almost right so those are the kind of impacts that we create and even mm-hmm. with bata we've just gotten started but we are getting Im- immense number of images per day that tells us that people are interested in the service right and it's it's really nice that we see people from all walks of life taking pictures like right? there's no been no barrier about sector you know about geography we are seeing that the services seamlessly across moms taking it for their kids and it's really really nice and we you know hope to continue to grow and push that user experience to the next level where this becomes so today people are still using the size scale at the end of it so our goal sure. would be to drive this better such that this becomes the default and nothing else right so that is obviously as an entrepreneur that is my sort of end goal and that but we are seeing you know seeing it going towards that direction where people are like data is more and more pointedly telling us that uh, the digital consumer is relying on tools like this and they they are handy so that's a great validation for us so uh, in uh, in short uh, going uh, down the line maybe five years down the line instead of us uk and all these complicated size charts we have we have just one universal size chart Uh, you don't you even need a size chart, right? Right. I'm saying there need... will be a un. There will be like one, uh, uh, you know, universal language when we Correct. talk about our food. Correct. What would that and, be? And that would just be a personalized recommendation because what is recommended when you're shopping is not the same for me, right? So the thing today with the mm-hmm. size chart is just a blank box in which you're putting everybody. I mean, an interesting right. fact is the, the size chart. was made for manufacturing it was not even made for people to use you know it was made 200 oh. years ago and then oh, that's interesting manu- to know so <laughs> that was never meant for the customers that was meant Correct. for the manufacturers yes and just oh. so how did it come and so i think that would be interesting now how did it actually manifest to to be used by customers at that point right so what would happen is see i mean when shoe making started it was only the cobblers who would make it so the guy would fit you and give it when batch manufacturing had started the the guy had to say give you some benchmark about the size so they took the length default that's it and said oh okay. these are made the length is somewhat graded to size 9 and whoever comes you fit them in your store right that's how it started and and that's how it remained till date there has kind of been no change on that system and especially when you go into an online world that system completely breaks because when you are at least when you walk inside a store and you wear a shoe subconsciously you're testing five or six different measurements 
But when you're That's buying right. online, you, you are only given this sort of halfway benchmark that the manufacturer mm-hmm. has put in it, and which also varies from manufacturer to manufacturer, like I mentioned. So it's a very loosey-goey sort of guide. And I really think that in the digital age today, where there's so much precision and recommend personalization, I should mm-hmm. be telling you, not foot in your shoe, this is the expected foot fit that is there, right? There's no need mm-hmm. for this sort of this style. And I recommend saying that you are going to buy a 9.5 or a 9.34. And, you know, we can go to the level that a lot of people have this issue. What people don't know is that your left foot and your right foot are, are different sizes. Sometimes right. half size that, different. That's right? right. That's right. Yes. yes. Also, uh, um, so the thing is, uh, a very interesting point. But for that to happen, then all the major manufacturers and brands have to come on the same table, right? In terms of some kind right. of, if you want to have a universal... Uh, sizing um, you know Correct. Correct. So that's how then the brand should also be making it. otherwise you would give me a recommendation but if the brands are not you know adhering to to that what? then you know it will again become an issue for me so how do we deal with that so in the interim that's where we work with the brand so we kind of normalize them so when somebody is on our service and that's why we, we invest so much on the shoe scanning piece so if you come mm-hmm. you scan your foot and we have the brand who's also scanned their shoes with us Mm-hmm. We know exactly the inner cavity and we kind of normalize it, you know, as part of the service today. But what we truly hope is five years down the line that this becomes the norm. So everybody who's uploading and that's that's the kind of project that we are doing with Flipkart also. Well, anybody who comes on their service, when they upload their shoes, like today, they upload their photographs in a very standardized manner, what's specified. Mm-hmm. Similarly, sizing would be uploaded in a very standardized manner specified by us. So that becomes your ecosystem default. And that definitely is our vision to become. Fantastic, fantastic. And from a, from a revenue model perspective, if you would just like to share with us in terms of um, who pays for all the service that you're providing at this point of time. So obviously the biggest benefactor in this entire process is the retailer, because if you see the current system, they are the ones who are bleeding the most when it comes to return, when it comes to not being able to to kind of increase the top line because there are a lot of people who still, I mean, shoes is one category, although it has grown online. It's one category where people still prefer going into a store and stores are great, but they can only carry that much inventory, right? And especially for new and upcoming brands who don't have the muscle power to go set up a store on a fancy location, right? The only way for them to grow and compete is online. So sure. this category, I mean, ben, I mean, our service kind of benefits these brands and these online players the most. So that becomes like the first, I mean, they pay for it right now, right? Sure, uh, sure. The consumer gets a benefit, but we've not considered charging the consumer because I think the, brand, the benefit that we're giving to the retailer and then the brand is way higher at this point and our revenue model is centered around charging both of them. Fair enough. Fair. So fair enough. So it's essentially the brand, uh, the retailer who's really benefiting and they are the one who would be willing to invest and pay for, for it. And I'm sure they would also be able to accrue a lot of saving out of this uh, correct, in terms correct. of returns and in terms of uh, better uh, customer satisfaction. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, so where does uh, Find Me Shoe go from here? Uh, how do you see your journey transpiring over the next five years? Uh, so one is, you know, like we definitely spoke about is that... Um, we definitely see ourselves becoming like this central to the footwear ecosystem where we become like the norm for fitting, where you don't have to worry about another fitting system, where everybody as a default gets a personalized recommendation. That's obviously the fitting part, right? And mm-hmm. what Anand and me had started off on the journey where 
the record, today the recommend, I mean, because this problem is a big deal, we took the fit first, but then there's an overall recommendation engine, which is again, mm -hmm. we've done piloting with a few retailers where I know you're fit, but tell me your usage, very specific usage, mm -hmm. like you're going for a 10 mile hike or, you know, something, and I'll start making a lot more quality recommendations based on your fit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So yes, that becomes a broader engine. Then there's an alive okay. service of how the shoe looks on you. I think that okay. those technologies are also maturing very nicely. And obviously, we okay. see ourselves expanding this to a certain specific apparel pieces also where the problem is acute. acute. Not everything okay. in apparel probably needs it. Like a t-shirt probably doesn't need this service. But no, maybe a, form, a formal shirt or a pair of jeans. You could do a, a, a fair bit of uh, recommendation for you, like a shape-based recommendation. What shape? So that's okay. probably how we see ourselves growing in the next five years. Sabri, uh, a move from uh, shoes to apparel, I'm sure, uh, if I can put it this way, will be a cakewalk for you because I think that's the most difficult part, right, of the body to deal with, of the foot, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. I mean, apparel has its own challenges when it comes to modeling of the material and the thing, but we built a fair bit of knowledge base. You know, our, our goal has been to establish one service and now that we are seeing retailers pick it up and drive it, hopefully, you know, maybe 2020, we want to see stability. Uh, I mean, 2021, we probably will see growth and stability in this footwear area, but we are already started working on these other sort of apparel and uh, other product lines to, okay. to develop Fair. them. Fair enough. Another obvious question, and we're coming towards the end of the interview, mm -hmm. is how has the pandemic uh, benefited uh, your company? Uh, because the whole move towards digitization is not yes, accelerated. Yes. So I don't feel nice saying that because benefited us, but you know, okay, there's a silver lining. Um, you know, retail has gone through a very big pivotal change. Like even my conversations with retailers in mid 2019, they'll be like, mm. yes, this is good to have, you know, we'll definitely carve out a budget next year for you. And uh, yeah, 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 we'll launch it. But by 2020 mid, the sense of urgency to move to a digital, digital service. I mean, to be honest, things were already moving in, in this direction. I won't say that, you know, oh, suddenly they realized they have to go digital. Sure. Like, for example, sure. Bata, they had been talking to us throughout the year, but once the once they realized that the stores had not at the forefront, I mean, there is, that could be a limitation, right? And sure. this kind of has accelerated the decision making to use a service like this. I mean, definitely that happened in the pandemic that anybody who was sort of sitting on the fence has jumped on the other side saying that this is the service that we're going to use. Fair enough. And have you seen this come from any particular geography or is across the board you're seeing it? It's across the board. I think a um, little slightly less in Southeast Asia, but everywhere else we are seeing, the, seeing, seeing this behavior being replicated, you know. Fantastic. And uh, one quick question uh, for startup entrepreneurs, uh, especially, uh, you know, in terms of being a woman entrepreneur and uh, uh, it's good to have people like you on the show. Uh, any advice uh, when you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, actually hit the ground and get started, which you would like to share? Okay, I don't know which one to go for that. Obviously, there have been a lot of learnings and I mean, one of the things is you should uh, just how do I say this, right? Like, it's not going to be easy. Uh, definitely mm -hmm. don't expect that things will, uh, just this willingness to keep making pivots, right? I mean, when I look back at our journey, there have, there have been enough opportunities to say, say, sorry, I don't think this is working. And go back mm -hmm. to both Anand and me had very lucrative jobs, you know, 
and say, okay. okay. But just this opportunity to say that, oh, when we realize, say, for example, when our scanner model didn't work, right, and so much money was sunk into the scanner, could have been easy to right. say. Right. No, but just, uh, yeah. But this willingness to keep trying things, I think that's the only, and there's also a, jo- a lot of joy that comes with it, right? Like when you, when you launch a mobile app, but I think those are the kind of things that drive you and nothing else will drive you, right? I mean, just that, uh, that the desire to want have, to have that created because everything sure. else will come and go. As in, so unless you have that self-motivated drive and that's something that you should be very clear about why you're doing this. That's right. So I think that brings us to the point, Shabri, of the purpose why you're doing it, right? The purpose of that creator, then, you know, things may, may not work out, but you will find a way to evolve it to the next level. And, and, you know, I think that's the fascinating part of any innovator's uh, journey, uh, you know, uh, in terms of where you start and where you land up. Correct, correct. And unless you find that, and, you know, because otherwise it's not, it's going to be tough, right? You're, you're not going to find the motivation within yourself. And if you don't find that, then there are enough opportunities to say, there's always Absolutely. going to be something very lucrative on the side, right? And these days, so there's... Yes, yes. So it's a sense of purpose and motivation, I think, which is really what differentiates an entrepreneur who's sticking it out and the one who, you know, calls it quits. Correct, correct. And of course, Absolutely. there could be some circumstances and there could be good reasons also. And it's okay, it's, that is also okay, but it's just that you need to have that clarity and honesty with yourself. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fair enough. Uh, very fascinating, Shapri. One last question. As a footwear expert who's been in this field and as a woman, we know buying shoes is always a challenge. And I also find it very confusing in terms of a stiletto or a platform or a flat. So can you just kind of uh, give your tips in terms of, especially for women shoe buyers, what are the things to look out for? How do you differentiate one from the other? Some, I think that would be very useful as we close this. This will be something I'm sure people absolutely, will absolutely right. So this journey has been as much as about as my personal experimentation as you know this this thing. So when I was younger, I could wear stilettos and carry it off, and you know, like what he said, I wouldn't care. But as you grow older and you you start realizing, you 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 realize that this has a health implication. You can't just pick up whatever you like, and you know, you wear it five hours, and the next day you have pain, and that's not okay. You shouldn't be doing that to yourself. So the first thing that I would like to say to anybody is it's absolutely not worth wearing anything that's even remotely uncomfortable. And there are good ways of combating it. That doesn't, am I saying that you shouldn't wear a sweater? No, I'm just saying that you should wear the right kind of sweater. So beyond the length, understand the shape of your foot. You know, kind of look at what the shape of the shoe is. Understand Mm -hmm. it, kind of, you know, uh, make a judgment. Always walk around, test it out, and keep a good balance, right? Like, um, don't make a choice to say that, hi, I always wear, in, I live, I, I'm only going to wear flip-flops. Because what people don't realize is that even, uh, as I, I mean, everybody knows that stilettos don't look so comfortable, but even wearing a flip-flop where it's kind of flapping and you're not kind of carrying the weight of the shoe along with your stride can also be harmful for your foot. So keep a balance of, and keep this right. Like, if I'm going to be in a footwear for eight hours plus, right? Just think about maybe I'll substitute a little with a block heel, which is a lot more comfortable. Go down maybe mm. a couple of inches, right? But that will make a mm. huge difference. Go for a round shape as opposed to pointed because one of the things that people don't understand is in, you know, in European countries, everybody grows up wearing closed footwear because of the weather conditions. Whereas That's in right. India, we wear a lot of open footwear. So naturally our toes are way more spread out. 
and our feet are wider. Sure. So this. That's right. So a pointed toe box is not really while you know while the Westerners carried off much easily. It we've seen like a very dramatic difference in the foot shape between geographies. And sure. Try and pick what is you know you your body will tell you. So try and pick what is more naturally comfortable, even if you want to pick a certain style and. Uh, be conscious about those choices. I think that's very, very key. Fantastic, uh, Shabri. I think that was very useful and interesting. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Bencil Talk. It's a pleasure to have you here and wishing you all the very best. And uh, looking forward to the impact that you're trying to create, where we can all have a personalized size and fitting, okay. and you know we don't have to worry about the size charts. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun and easy buying uh, online and. We don't have to worry about returns and uh, all the very best. Shabri. Thank you so much, Rajiv. It's been an absolute pleasure, you know, to be here and to share our journey. And very few people like you who understand and appreciate the. I think you being a fellow entrepreneur, you understand and you appreciate the kind of nuances that an entrepreneur goes through on a daily basis to a yearly basis. And absolutely delighted to share our journey with you. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure and take care. Uh, and Thank once you. again, thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of Venture Talks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. All right. Done. Right.